you missed last week, we got the opportunity to celebrate with 84 people who expressed their faith in Jesus through baptism. So for the year, that makes 314 people. That's right. That's 314 people whose lives have changed. That's 314 people whose destinies are determined. And so if you're one of the 314, I want to say to you that because of your faith in Christ, your sins have been forgiven. Because of your faith in Christ, you are a child of God. Because of your faith in Christ, uh, you have eternal life. You never have to wonder about that again. And City Church exists for people like you. We exist so that people who aren't sure what they believe, don't believe, uh, can come and explore our faith, and our hope is that they, like you, will believe in Jesus too. And I'm going to thank those of you who give to support the City Church movement, because when you give here, lives change here. And so I pray that God will bless you as you give today, and I pray that he would bless you generously as you give. Now, uh, as Sherry said, today I'm kicking off a new series called Choose Joy. And so as I kick it off, I, I thought I'd ask you a question. Are you a happy person? Or maybe the better question is, do other people think you're happy? Huh? <laughs> and what are, your, what are you looking to as you pursue happiness? What do you think it will take to be a happy person? Now, I think I had a pretty happy childhood. I mean, I had really good parents, and of course, they had a totally awesome son, uh, so things were good in my house. Oh, I had a sister too, but whatever. Anyway, uh, I had, you know, my dad is like, he had a stable job, and uh, we, we had a sort of real stable life. I mean, like, I lived in the same house from the time I was five until I graduated from college. It was that stable. And so I think I had a pretty happy childhood. But then, as some of you know, those of you who've been around for a while, something happened. Because as an adult, I realized I was an angry man. And I wasn't sure how I got there. You know, it's like, it's like as kids, it's easy to be happy. It's like if you're a kid and you're in a normal situation, it's just natural to be happy. And, and you see it all the time. Like, I think about all of the rain we've had recently. And I think about the potholes and the puddles of water. What does a kid do when a kid sees a puddle of water? Yeah, they jump in it. They see an opportunity to be happy, and they jump in the water, and they shout for joy, and they have a good time. What do we do when we see a puddle of water? We avoid it. We, we view it as an obstacle to avoid, right? How did we get here? How come our kids get joy better than we do? I'm going to tell you what happened. Throughout life, we experience what I call joy suckers. And joy, oh, you've experienced them too. And joy suckers are those circumstances that suck the joy out of us. You know, the harsh words, the unresolved conflict, the abuse, the financial crises, the health crises, the betrayal. Now, some of you might say, if I ask you, are you happy? Some of you might say to me, you know, Pastor Brent, I'm happy. I'm happy. But if I asked you why, I bet this is what you'd say. Something like this. I'm happy because, you know, my marriage is doing okay, and my kids are doing okay, my finances are doing okay, I'm doing okay, you know, health-wise. In other words, you give me all of these reasons why you're happy. But what's going to happen when some of those circumstances change? Are you still going to be happy? Now, I suspect there's others of you who would say, yeah, you know, Pastor, you got me on this one. I'm not happy. But you've got the just-if thinking. 
Your thinking is just if my circumstance would change, then I'd be happy. And this is, this is what you think. If you think in that way, this is what you think. You know, I would be happy just if my candidate had won. Come on. I'd just be happy if I got this new iPhone, if I got this new TV, if I got this new computer. You know, I would just be happy if I got this new house, bigger house. You know, I would be happy if I got this new job. You know, I would be happy if I made more money. You know, I would be happy just if my retirement was bigger. You know, I would be happy uh, if I could lose weight. I would be happy if I could gain a degree. You know, I would be happy if I could just find the right man or the right woman. You know, I would be happy, okay, Pastor, just, just, if I just had a good sex life, that would be, that's all I need, that's all I need, and I'll be happy. You know, Pastor, I would be happy if I just had a baby. I would be happy if I could just get the baby to sleep through the night. I would be happy if this kid would just be potty trained. I would be happy, go, oh, God, get these teenagers out of my house. <laughs> oh, God, I would be happy if I just had a nose job. Just a nose job. Oh, well, oh, okay, and, and a, you know, a, a, a facelift. Oh, you know, God, and if God, oh, Lord, if I could just have more hair on my head, then it's on my back. <laughs> and if you're living with just if ways of thinking, your happiness will always be iffy. Because if you're looking to the iffy circumstances to make you happy, your happiness will always be iffy. Now, and then there's others of you and you would say, you know, pastor, yeah, no, I, I'm not an iffy person. I'm just negative all the time. <laughs> and we've talked about this in our rut series. In other words, you're in an emotional rut, and, and everything that's going through your mind is negative. You've got this negative narrative all the time running in your brain. You're in an emotional rut. Your mind is filled with bitter words, with resentful words. Your mind races with anxious, fearful thoughts. Your emotions are toxic, and they bring you down, and you just have this constant, life-sucking negative narrative going on in your mind. And so I just want to say, if you struggle to feel joy, you're in the right place. Because we're a messy church for messy people like us to work on our messes together. And in this series, we're going to study what the first church leaders said about experiencing joy, get this, no matter what. I'm going to say that again. You can experience joy no matter what. Your joy does not have to be determined by your circumstances. Your happiness doesn't have to be iffy. Now, I'm messing with you, right? <laughs> you believe that? Well, let's look at what the Apostle Paul says. So the Apostle Paul uh, wrote a letter to the uh, believers in a city called Philippi in the first century. He, had, he planted a church there, a church like City Church, and he was writing to them because they were experiencing some unhappy circumstances. Because of their faith in Jesus, they were facing religious discrimination in their society. They were being persecuted for their faith. And so Paul wrote them this letter, and in the letter, he makes a memorable challenge that I think is like the mantra for the letter. And I want us, I want us to, to see this mantra before we unpack it a little bit more. It's recorded in Philippians 4.4, and Paul, this is where Paul wrote. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Can you say that with me out loud? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, what's interesting is Paul used the word joy or rejoice 12 times in this very brief letter. So I think he wants us to get this joy thing. And uh, with, with this declaration, 
Paul is saying something to us about joy. And that's, that, this is going to be the main point of my message. His point is you can choose joy. Did, did you notice he didn't really set up that statement? He just said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. He's saying you can choose joy. He's saying your joy is unrelated to your circumstances because he's writing to some people in some unhappy circumstances. Do you believe that? Now, I want you to understand that Paul understood what it was like to experience some difficult circumstances but still feel joy and choose joy. I'm going to give you a little bit of his background. So when Paul became a believer in Jesus as an adult, his family and friends shunned him because of his faith. So he lost a lot of relationship. He also lost his career and the security of his finances. And then he became a leader in the church. And as a church leader, he became persecuted. In fact, he was beaten three times with rods. He was whipped with 39 lashes five times. That's 195 lashes. Three times angry crowds pummeled him with stones, leaving him for dead. On top of it all, Paul talks to us about some physical ailment he had that he called his thorn in the flesh that he had to live with. And then he's writing this very letter literally in chains because of his faith. And yet Paul said he knew joy. And he knew joy because he chose joy. And he urged others to choose joy too. Well, so how do you do that? How do you choose joy even if you're in unhappy circumstances? How do you feel joy no matter what? I want us to go back to the beginning of the letter where Paul unpacks this perspective that will allow us to choose joy no matter what. This is Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 7. You ready? Paul wrote, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way, this joyful way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And so here Paul shows us that this, no matter what your circumstances are, it's your perspective on those circumstances that determine whether you can choose joy or not. So he's, he's teaching us to have, about how to interpret our circumstances from a certain perspective. Did you pick up on it? Now, he admitted the bad stuff in his life. So a part of choosing joy doesn't mean you can never admit when you're going through something bad or difficult circumstances. You know, it's not like trying to fake yourself out or something. He did admit his negative circumstances, that he was in chains. But did you notice what he did? He focused on the good stuff that was going on in the midst of the bad stuff. He focused on his friendship with the Philippians. He focused on how they had contributed to help him go and bring the good news about Jesus in other parts of the Roman Empire. And he focused on God and the good stuff that God was doing in him and through him, even in the bad stuff. Focusing on the good stuff... Get this, helped Paul to live with perspective so that he could choose joy even if he was experiencing some unhappy circumstances. And with that perspective of focusing on God and noticing the good stuff God was doing in him, he had the inner strength to choose joy. And so I want us to understand something about joy. 
Joy is not the absence of suffering. In life, there are times when we will suffer, we will experience pain, we will experience tragedy, we will experience uh, conflict at times, illness. And so joy is not the absence of experiencing pain or suffering. Joy is the ability to experience God even in the midst of your suffering. Joy is the ability to look around and to notice that God is alive, he is with me, and to focus on the good stuff that God is doing, even in the bad stuff. And when you go through bad stuff, if you will begin the practice of pausing and just acknowledging God's presence and his love for you, even in the bad stuff, it will help you live with perspective. Let joy influence your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances steal your joy. Now, as Paul continues in this letter, he unpacks a little bit more about this perspective he had that helped him choose joy. Uh, this is Philippians 1, verse 12. So he writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I know I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So I'm going to pause for a second. Did you catch what he's saying? That's a statement of purpose. He knows why he is put on the earth. All right, and we're going to come back to that. He says, I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And so here Paul expresses another aspect of perspective. And that is, he was a person who lived with purpose in life. He knew God created him for a purpose, and he discovered that purpose, and he lived with purpose. And because he lived with purpose, it gave him a perspective by which he could interpret the circumstances of his life, even the bad ones. And because he lived with purpose, he was able to choose joy. And Paul chose to see how God was working in his life as he lived with purpose, even in the bad stuff. God was taking even bad circumstances and causing them to work to the good because of God's purpose for Paul's life. Paul knew why he existed. He knew what he was put here for, and he lived it, and that helped him to live with a perspective where he could choose joy no matter what. And so I want you to know that a part of our vision as a church is to help our people to live with purpose. God created you with unique gifts and abilities and talents and passions to unleash you on a world in need. And a part of our role as a church movement is to help you understand who God created you to be and how you can live with purpose in life. And so I want you all to know in, in 2019, our whole year is going to be focused on living with purpose. Because you might be sitting there thinking, man, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what my purpose is in life. I don't know how to do that. We're going to help you get there. In 2019, our focus is going to be helping all of our people to discover their, who they are, their purpose in life, and to live with purpose. And I'm excited about this journey because not only will it, it help you to make a difference in the world and in your life, it'll help you gain perspective from which... Uh, by which you can interpret the circumstances of your life in a different kind of way. You can choose joy. Now, there's one more uh, aspect of perspective that Paul talks about in this first part of his letter 
that I want us to get uh, that I think will help us choose joy. And he writes it in 121 where he says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Okay, that doesn't sound very joyful, Paul. <laughs> so what's he saying? Okay, first I want to make sure we understand what he's not saying. He's not saying, you know, if you're in a painful situation, to die is just better. Because if you die, you get out of the pain. Come on. He's not talking about suicide as a way to relieve pain and suffering. And I, as I was meditating on this verse, I wanted to pause. Because in our culture, let's be honest, Suicide has become glamorized because of some of the famous actors and rock stars who have taken their own lives. And, and I'm not saying this to, to criticize them. In fact, when I hear the news of one more person who has taken his or her life, it just it breaks my heart. I've literally prayed for their family, for their kids, for their, you know, because of their loss. Uh, but I do want to say something to you. Because if you thought, you know what? Pastor, I'm in, I'm in so much pain, so much suffering, I think it'd be better for me just to end my life. I'm asking you not to do that. I'm asking you to choose life, even if it means life with some pain and suffering. Because even in your pain and suffering, I'm saying to you, you can choose joy, and we can help you do that. We can help you make it. So, choose life. Choose joy. So Paul, when Paul says for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, he's not talking about ending your pain and suffering by ending your life. So what is he saying? Paul, is, Paul gained the sense of identity, of who he was in Christ. And with that sense of identity and who he is in Christ, he gave him this unique perspective to be able to celebrate life no matter what. And let me, let me unpack it because he, he does in the letter. Basically what he says is, okay, look. So what's the worst thing that can happen to me? Okay, if I die. If I die because of my faith in Christ, because he knows who he is in Christ, if I die according to Jesus, I will immediately be in his presence, in the Father's house, in this place Jesus called paradise, and it's going to be awesome. So I win. And if I don't die, if I'm on the earth, I know who I am in Christ. I'm living out my purpose. So I win here too. So it's like he had this ultimate win-win perspective. And it helped him to feel joy and to choose joy no matter what. Now, you might, you know, if you're new to church, new to Christianity, and you're hearing me talk about this, you might be thinking, like, okay, man, this sounds weird. You know, this dude, this ancient Christian dude talking about, you know, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. How is di dying gaining anything? I mean, it just sounds weird. And that's okay. I'm okay if you're thinking those thoughts. This is a safe community where you can really get real about what you're thinking. Even, even, if, even if some of the things we study, you know, mess with you. But I am going to encourage you to consider Jesus. We believe he is the son of God. We believe he has risen from the dead. We believe he can give you eternal life forever and an abundant life here and now. And if you can get to that place where you really believe what I just said, and that you, you're confident in who you are in Christ, you can choose joy no matter what. Because that perspective, it'll just set you free. And so I hope you'll believe in him today. 
If you already believe, if, if you're, you're, you're tracking with me, and so I, I want to pull this all together. Paul's talking about choosing joy by gaining perspective. You gain perspective as you begin to notice God and the good stuff in the midst of the bad stuff. You gain perspective as you begin to discover your purpose and live with purpose. And you gain perspective as you stand in confidence based on your identity with Christ. And if you will do that, you can feel joy no matter what. Your happiness does not have to be iffy. Now, I do want to pause for a moment to clarify something because I don't want people to misunderstand me. I'm not saying you should just try to fake your, yourself out and feel joy if you're right now in the midst of some very bad circumstances or an abusive relationship. Okay? Are you with me? If you're in bad circumstances, try to change them. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're in an abusive relationship, Get help because you may need to get out. What I'm talking about here doesn't mean you don't try to change your circumstances if you can make them better, right? But what I am saying is, even if you're going through some tough times or even if you're in an abusive relationship, those tough times and those, that relationship does not have to define your life. You can choose joy. And we will help you get there. Now, some of you may, may be thinking, you know, Pastor, okay, you convinced me. You, you're saying to me, I really can feel joy in my life. Yes, that, that is what I'm saying. And you're saying I got to choose joy. That's what I'm saying. But you may be thinking, but Pastor, how, okay, I know where I am right now. I don't feel what you're talking about. How do I get from where I am to what you're talking about, where I can feel joy and choose joy? Well, I'm going to show you how I get there. You ready? So while I was uh, uh, preparing for this uh, series, I read this groundbreaking book entitled Happiness, is a choice. And it's written by two Christian psychiatrists. So they're medical doctors. And their studies found that you can change the way you feel by changing what you think and what you do. So see if you can follow with me. What they say is you don't think what you think because you feel what you feel. You feel what you feel because you think the way you think. You get it? And what they said is you don't do what you do because you feel what you feel. You feel what you feel because you're doing what you're doing. What they say is if you can change the way you think, which changes the way what you do, that's how you can change how you feel. Your feelings follow the way you think. And so what they encourage people to do is to employ the ancient spiritual practice that the apostle Paul called renewing your mind. And we talked about that a couple of months ago in our Ruts series. Specifically, this is so cool. They talk about uh, renewing our minds by changing the way we talk to ourselves. Yeah, you thought you were the only one that talks to yourself. Everybody does. Listen, this, is, this is a quote. I love, love this quote from the book. This is what they say. All of us go through each day talking to ourselves in our thoughts. We talk in either a positive tone or a negative critical tone. If we constantly criticize ourselves, we will hold grudges against ourselves and get depressed. Quit condemning yourself. Look at the positive things in your life. Look at your accomplishments instead of dwelling on past failures. Would you ever criticize another person the way you criticize yourself? You may think you need the harsh talk, but you don't. So get off your own back. If you, don't, if you don't remember anything else I said today, I am giving you permission to get off your own back. And so how do you renew your mind? 
If, if you've got that negative narrative going on in, in, in your thinking and you're constantly criticizing yourself, how do you renew your mind? I'm, I'm going to give you a tool. So in their book and in several uh, uh, studies that I read preparing for this series, they found that uh, people who, who keep a happiness journal renew their minds in positive ways. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I don't want you just to leave, you know, this service, or if you're watching online, sitting there, you know, go back and get another cup of coffee. I want to help you change your life. Do you want to feel joy no matter what? Do you? Okay. I'm asking you for the rest of this year to keep a happiness journal. And this is what I mean by that. Each day, I want you to take a few minutes to answer this one question. What are you grateful for today? And I just want you to think through your day. What, what, uh, what experiences during that day gave you pleasure? What affirmations did you receive? What moments of good fortune did you have? What achievements did you make? What are you grateful for today? And I want you to actually write those things down. I don't, you, don't want you just to think them. Because you're going to need to remind yourself every once in a while, you know what I'm saying? So either do it on your phone, you know, do the, the, the list. You can just start a happiness journal on your phone, on your iPad, or on your computer. Or you may be the kind that likes to actually write it down. So get you a journal and start keeping a happiness journal and answering the question every day. What am I grateful for today? And here, and I got I to explain something. Okay, uh, what if you have one day where, Pastor Brent, I just couldn't think of anything. That's okay, get off your own back. Go on to the next day or look at what you were happy, happy for the previous day. See what I'm saying? Don't, don't let this become a negative thing because it's supposed to be a positive thing. And if, when you think of something happy, write it down, all right? And I promise you, you can feel happy if you choose joy. So a few years ago, I, I got the chance at a leadership conference to hear the story of an amazing person named Tyler Perry. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a, a writer. And, and if you don't know Tyler Perry, maybe you know one of his famous characters, uh, Medea, <laughs> he's awesome. And, and if you've ever seen his movies and, and uh, programs, you know he's brought a lot of joy and happiness, made a lot of people laugh. Uh, and, and so I'm very grateful for him and his leadership in our country. Uh, but what I found interesting is in that conference, he unpacked his story. And you may not know this, but he grew up in very unhappy circumstances. And he shared those circumstances with us. He told us that when he was a child, this was their regular pattern. Every Friday, his father would come home, get drunk, and beat his mother. And then when he intervened to try to protect her, his dad would beat him. He said every Friday was hell. But he said on Sunday mornings, his mom would get, it, get him up and take him to church. And there, he saw his mother experiencing joy. And he said, I've just got to know this God who can make my mom feel such joy on Sundays after what she faced on Fridays. And he did come to know that God through his faith in Jesus Christ. And choosing joy begins uh, when you know the God who can give you joy. And I hope if you've never put your faith in God's son, Jesus, I hope you will do so today. And if you do believe, I, I'm, I'm encouraging you today to choose joy to choose joy in your life. And I want to help you in the process of gaining perspective, okay? And so I'm going to go through this, this little exercise, and I hope you'll, you'll just let me speak this over you to help you gain perspective on your life. And, and please understand that I, that I know that every characteristic I'm going to describe may not be true of you, but I think most of these are true for most of us. You ready? 
You live in a free country. You live in a wealthy country. You live in a safe country. You live in a country where you are free to worship. You live in a country where you are free to vote. Rejoice. I know people who don't. You have public schools with teachers who live to help your kids grow and thrive. We have people. We have hospitals and ER clinics and med clinics and doctor's offices on almost every corner. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a doctor's office. Oh my gosh, rejoice. I know a lot of places don't have that. You have a home. You have a job. You have a car. You have food on the table. Rejoice. You have a closet full of clothes. You have electricity. You have running water. You have toilets and showers. I know a lot of people who don't rejoice. You have people who love you. You have people who care about you. You have people who miss you. Rejoice. And get this, God loves you. God wants to be in a relationship with you. The, the creator of heaven and earth, think about it, wants to be in a relationship with you. And he wants to bless your life. Rejoice. And in Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. In Jesus, you are a child of God. In Jesus, you have eternal life. Rejoice. And in Jesus, you can have a meaningful life, a full life, a rich life, an abundant life, a purposeful life. Rejoice. And in Jesus, you can experience freedom, real freedom, because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Rejoice. You can feel joy if you will choose joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. I don't think you believe it. I want you to stand up with me. You're watching in the video cafe. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Let's speak this as an affirmation like we believe it. You ready? Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Choose joy. Our prayer team's going to be available in the front. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.